it's kind of surreal being in this like because i feel like this may have been the experience with your other guests like first time having like a sit down podcast interview you know what i mean like i've given like speeches at events and um like just like been interviewed or people asking for like my knowledge or expertise on stuff but like in this format though it's like cool because like this is predominantly what i listen to on my work day to get through is like podcasts so when i was like oh wow like because there's something about like the like the genuine curiosity encapsulates this so well because like it's like an everyday person like i feel like these are people that like we roll with at the gym the people that are going to help us at the hospital the people that make games or mobile games and stuff like there's just such a plethora of guests and then like here i am the accountant coming in and i make sure that um you comply with the government essentially (laughs) 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 so wait so what what's your what's your main role as an accountant then well it's kind of funny because like um i got my diploma and business accountancy and then I was going to transfer to Edwards. It was like the first year they were going to allow SIAS students with like two-year diplomas to like transfer their credits straight over because they would only honor like 40% of them in the early 2010s. But around 2015, 2016, there was an easy transition for me to go to Edwards from SIAS and I wanted to go for my degree in CPA. But um, my mom got diagnosed with leukemia. So and then... I kind of was like, "Mm, I think I'm going to take a break from this. And it turned out it wasn't leukemia at all. It was like some sort of internal bleeding, which is like still pretty serious, but like you could deal with it. And like, but she still had to go through like the kid and caboodle with everything like scopes, getting her blood dyed, taking every site or every type of fluid or substance that she could produce out of her, giving samples regularly, like every two weeks until like finally like, she got in for an MRI scan or a C yeah, probably an MRI. I forget what, like, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> so like she got something down where they looked at her insides. It was more than an ultrasound and they were like, oh yeah, that doesn't look right. But your bone marrow looks fine. <laughs> and it was just like, oh my goodness. <laughs> and like that happened, like the diagnosis was in about February. I applied to Edwards, get accepted. And then I get a summer job, but in March is when my mom gets the diagnosis. And it wasn't until like October of that year um, was when she got the clear. So I was like, okay, well, I actually don't really like accounting that much. (laughs) So I don't know what I want to do when I grow up, but like I have this like education and stuff. So like predominantly my role at the city started out with accounts payable, um, accounts receivable, doing end to end like. Uh, month reporting GL balancing um, just like basic financial report and nothing CPA level but like I've been reorged so much that's kind of how it is in a large organization that I do like payroll now and like I am qualified to do it and stuff and everything but it's just um, there's a lot more emotions with payroll like where in accounting they always said don't have emotions like until like you're at the end and if you see green red or black green being like net income red being loss or black being in the even um they said like don't keep any emotions with numbers debits or credits but with payroll oh my everything's emotional because like you know it's money that you're handling that goes into people's bank accounts twice a month right so like if there's a mistake whether it's like the front end user the manager or something that I missed while auditing, um, like in the pay period, it's a lot more passionate than like if a vendor misses a payment for a month, you know what I mean? And as long as you catch it the next month and like keep it within that 30 day window, it's fine. So it, it's a little bit more interesting. I would say it breaks up the monotony and like it keeps it challenging, like in the sense that like, there's a lot of unique challenges. Sometimes you never face the same challenge twice, a sort of thing. Like it's a one and done, like just very odd scenarios. And like, and it's funny because like, since I'm a public servant, anyone who makes $50,000 or more gets their like salaries published. And when it got published in 2022 for the 2021 year, there was a position that was paid $300,000 
and it was a position that I would do the payroll for. And when I read it on the weekend, I started crying almost because I was like, did I mess up that bad? And I'm like running numbers in my head. I'm like, this person would have to have like a salary of like $200 and get overtime for everything. How did I miss that? And then I finally read the article or read the name. I was like, never heard of him. I'm fine. <laughs> oh, <woo. laughs> So there's emotions with numbers or what, what is What's going on? What? Well, like in accounting, essentially like when, like when you're learning about debits versus credits, like you want to think, oh, debits is good because that always means money in the bank. Whereas credits are bad because like it takes money out of the bank, but like it can go beyond more than that. Like, and I guess that goes extends beyond into accounting because I guess a lot of my background in the private sector was like. Um, insurance and investments, um, like doing a lot of administrative assistance stuff, but like I was working to get my designation and selling like mutual funds and stocks and bonds. But, um, that was around the time. Yeah. Again, my mom got her diagnosis and I was like, really reevaluated my life at that point. And I was like, is money, my religion, is that really what I'm working towards is just to be rich? Like, is that what I want? Or do I want a full life full of memories and stuff? Like, do I want the big house that I'm never going to be in? Or do I want like the small shack at the bottom of the valley, but happy as pie with like my family and kids? You know what I mean? Obviously those are extreme examples, but like, I guess it was like, and I read something about like in your adult life, you see your parents a lot less and like as complicated as like relationships could be with your family. It's like, I still want to like be around them all the time is there because like, I don't know, going through loss so many times in my life, it's like try to not take life for granted and stuff. So like in like, not to sound dark, but like it's almost like death, like made me appreciate life more as oxymoronic as that may sound. But um, I guess it's just like even when I'm like up at 3 a.m. on a work night and like feeding my son and I'm burping him and he's holding it in and just crying and he won't like hold his breath in to relieve himself for burping. It like, and I remind myself, like, this is a precious moment. He's so lucky to be alive, and I'm so lucky to hold him here right now. Just because, like, I really do believe the baby could sense your emotions, like, and they're on your chest, so like, they could feel your heartbeat. They could probably feel like your blood pressure raising. So, like, I like to have that little reminder that, like, even through the bad moments, it's a blessing because, like, if everything was good, what would be good? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you got to have some bad to mix with the good. Or misery builds memories. Miseries build memories? Oh, I like that. I might have to steal that sometime. <laughs> you can you can have it. I'll give it to you. Because I, I got that from another gentleman. Great. I, I thought that was great. So I'm going to use a lot. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love those type of things. Like, not exactly one-liners or anything like that. But something that's, like, just so profoundly wise. It, it Like, it's such a concise sense. Because I just feel like it helps people, like heal or understand or like helps them throughout their journey and stuff and I guess that's something like since the pandemic that like I really focused on is like wanting to like share stories more and hear more stories and help people heal and be a part of that um and I guess like and this may sound weird but miseries create memories it's like I view that as like a piece of a cob of a spider web because like grief can be so like this big network of cobs and webs of dust and you can't get it all out at once so you cough it up a little bit at a time and you reweave your web as you go through your story of your grief and everything like whether that be like suffering tremendous loss or like like that could be a tremendous loss of a loved one or even just like your economic situation your living situation because like I know that changed for a lot of people over the pandemic and it's kind of interesting, like, nowadays, like, I thought we'd all be a lot, well, I don't know, I don't want to listen to the loudest people on the internet, so I try to ban myself from the internet past six o'clock, <laughs> <laughs> because I see some crazy stuff, and I'm like, ooh, stay inside, but that's not the way to be it, especially, like, being a father, like, and I'm sure you experienced this, you really, like, the ego goes away, I find, like, even as much as you can work on that before you have kids, and you say it's a way, like, I could say it's definitely like, I feel like I could be a sage right now. Like no one could ever push me to like, do
do anything that would like potentially put me or my family at harm, if that makes sense. Like, whereas before when you're younger, like a teenager, young adult, and especially when I first started training like Muay Thai, the first two weeks, I thought I was a world champion. <laughs> and then I kicked someone in the elbow by accident while they were holding pads and got a hematoma. <laughs> I couldn't walk right for three days. <laughs> then I was humbled. Yeah. But that was a crazy two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like the having a child and having the death in your world, it actually, you reevaluated your priorities. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, um, yeah, like, I guess uh, my whole value in life was how much money can you earn? How What's your status? How can you portray stuff? And like, as like, I kept chasing that dream of money, I guess I kept going through loss and everything. And like, although it was like sad, it helped me reevaluate. And um, I'm a lot older and wiser, so to say, and um, been accepting my culture a lot, like, and in Soto spirituality, like, we don't believe death is the end. We believe we cross the river and um, you're greeted by every animal that you've ever honored in your life, that you've ever hunted and harvested or any pet, that whether that be a cat or a dog or any animal you show compassion or mercy to. And they lead you to where our ancestors came from and like where new life comes from. And like, I guess like it was really hard for me to accept that. And then it wasn't until about July 2020 that like I was really like challenged to like force myself to understand that because I lost someone who was my best friend but I considered to be my brother and um and at that point me and my wife were engaged he was supposed to be my best man and like and the, and then you come at that crossroads of like I don't want to do anything anymore like I don't even want to be engaged like I need to like not that I don't love my wife anymore but it's like how can I move on with my life suffering this profound loss but then you but then you got to look at the bigger picture your the loss of your loved one they wouldn't want you to stop for them they wouldn't want you to stop your life they wouldn't like he wouldn't have wanted me to not get married because he wouldn't be there even though like i believe he was with me there in a bigger enlightened sense like he was there with me spiritually um like there's a thing that we do at um funerals well, we call them celebrations of life. And um, he gave me, or he, we build a star blanket and it's built to the colors of like their spirit name and how they exuded their spirit throughout and the pattern and um, the design tells a story. And it was baby blue and white. And when I looked at it, it looks that so much like him. And he comes from a broken home. He only had his mother and sister and they gifted me that star blanket that was like such a big gesture. And like, after that point, I felt like it's a disservice to feel shame and guilt and to stop and to not want to get married and to not want to have children. And like, you know, it's, although like he was young and taken before his time, like I believe that he's without pain and regret and shame. And like, and like, I feel like as heavy as it was, it was something that like changed me for the better and like, don't get me wrong, grief is like a box with a red button in it. And when it's when it first comes to you, the red button is small always, but the ball inside is big. So any little tilt will hit that button and like just make that grief come up. But as time goes on, that red ball shrinks, but that red button never disappears. So it takes more to for that ball to find the bun and reach it and to bring up that grief and like, and through all the pain and like the heaviness, it felt like it made me a better person and like made me feel like I was ready to be a father in a sense, because like there was things that I did that I was like, Oh my God, like sometimes I get angry at certain things. And like, that's like things that my father did throughout my life. And I don't want that to carry on to my son. So I'm going to, do my best to like, you know, work at that introspectively and stuff. And like, it meant a lot of sacrifices and stuff because like I took a break from like, it's been like a year over or about a year now that I've like quit alliance because like, I guess I just had like too much of myself invested that I was an MMA fighter. And then like when I stopped going consistently, it was like hard because you become like sort of a pseudo celebrity when you fight. And I'm like, 
I lost by decision. And it's just one amateur fight. Like, I'm not. Like, there's so many more fighters and martial artists you can look up to. Like, <laughs> don't get too excited about me. Like, it, like now that I'm a father, again, like, I don't know if I want to fight again. I'm kind of scared. <laughs> like, even like a jiu-jitsu tournament, I always get scared for those. <laughs> and now that I'm a father, I'm like, yeah, like, I don't want to break my arm. Or, like, get my shoulder dislocated because, like... That would be hard to, like, change his butt with one hand. Like, you know what I mean? Like, all those weird thoughts come to my head now. But, like, I do feel honestly blessed. And, like, and like that's just, like, in having the sun, like, made me really, like, accept death for what it is and that it's not the end. And that's the circle of life and, like, taught me about ancestral love. And that's, like, you know, lots of times people say they'll live or they'll kill and die for their children. But, like... We really need to focus on living for our children, being like well balanced and focused and stuff like that. And like even like talking to my wife, like my dad was like very like the old sense traditional masculine. Like we didn't hug, we shake hands. We don't like well, we tell each other we love each other now, because I forced him to. I'm like, I love you, Dad. And then he's like, Yeah, I'll see you around, son. And I'm like, Hey daddy. I said, I love you. <laughs> and just, I have to take it up because I'm like, if you're going to act awkward about it, I'll make sure you get really awkward. So like, he's got better about it and stuff. But like growing up when I was younger, I didn't really have that because that was the way he was raised. And so when I brought him home and I kissed him on the forehead, I was like, oh my goodness, am I going to mess up my son? Am I, am I wrecking like horrible masculinity and stuff like that? Oh my God. And like, I was like, you know what? That stuff doesn't matter. It's all like a made up, co- well, like, made up concept like it's just words like i'll give him as much affection as he could take the world is cruel i'm not gonna make my kid wonder if i like him or not you know what i mean so like and like and like even just like talking to my wife about like crying and stuff she's like no like a lot of people say like that's part of being like a full person is like being able to show a full range of emotions and like ever since i learned to like open up that bottle and let my emotions out and even like speak it to my wife and saying like Oh, I had a really rough day at work today and like, I'm just like, you know, I just need like half an hour just to like unwind and like be by myself. She like respects that and allows me to have that. And like, sometimes it's more like 20 minutes. Sometimes it gets shaved down to 15 minutes now being a father, but you know, but like sometimes like that's exactly what I want is like just to be with my son anyways. So you know, just to, like watching a lot of nanny 911 essentially and <laughs> the super nanny UK. <laughs> like she's like my goodness like there's a couple of them where i'm like siding with the parents at the start i'm like yeah it's a bad kid man like i can't wait for this nanny put her in boot camp and that kid's gonna be doing like shoulder presses unassisted without the wall and then she's like did you try ever loving your child and then they start loving their child and then the child is fine and i'm like whoa How did you decide you were going to start showing emotion? Like, it was the first, like, I guess I always felt viewed grief as, like, you get a week to be sad, kind of mope around, but then you have to move on with life because time doesn't stop for no man and whatever. And But then when I suffered that loss, I was like, I can't, I can't move on. What's going on? And then um, I looked and found support groups, and I found one that was specific to, like, the loss of suicide and I was like that's interesting and like that's how I lost like my cousin two weeks prior and plus my brother I thought like is this gonna be all right because I guess it was like hard for me because at that point I didn't like asking for help I always thought I could always stand on my own two feet anyways so like I reached out to this group and I actually became close friends with one of the volunteers and once a year they run an eight-week program and they interview you like they kind of grill you and ask you really hard-hitting questions like like do you understand how they completed their suicide do you know the details can you speak about them can you speak about them right now and like that's just because of safety right like if i'm gonna break down on the phone for over one question like that am i gonna be able to be there in a group of eight people so me and seven others and hear their stories and their losses like and stuff like that and like it felt weird because a lot of people there were talking about people they lost decades ago and like I was like just a couple months in but like I just I felt like I needed to heal so much that I was so welcome into it and 
Um, and I felt like me becoming friends with one of the volunteers there and us like speaking about our losses and him giving me like things like, like he told me, don't focus on the things you could have done, but focus on the things that you did that made their life worthwhile while they were here with you. And when I thought about that, I was like, oh yeah, like we done did live the lifetimes a few times together, like in a short 26 years and stuff. And there's things like that that make in like, I don't know. And like, he lost his brother, this guy. And like, it like in a way it almost feels like did the loss of our brothers up there push us together like to keep each other company until we're with each other again you know and like yeah it's and like i don't know it's just like it, i learned to see the beauty and things and stuff like that and like i guess i was just like i'm tired of being numb i'm tired of trying to be like what my parents think they wanted me to be what society wants me they or like how i should be and carry myself and, like, I'm not saying I'm going to be a menace to society and start spray painting cars and, like, shooting, like, puffy orphanages up with paintball guns and stuff like that. I, I just mean, like, like, it, there's nothing wrong with, like, you know, emotions. Like, even just, like, my time away from, like, stepping back from all my extracurriculars and, like, just focusing on working myself. I'm, like... There's nothing wrong with, like, disagreeing with people. And, like, I think arguments aren't necessarily toxic. But I think they de definitely are, like, starting to atrophy as, like, conversation. Because people are just, like, arguments boil down to being mad and stuff. But it doesn't have to be that way. It's just, like, expressing your differences of opinions. And most of the time you won't change someone's opinion, like, the opposition. But that's not always the point, like just because you don't agree you can try to understand each other and have a basis and stuff and then even just like when there were times where like i wish i showed more emotion to like friends or family when they were feeling down like i even had troubles like opening up to them and like well not and like not airing out my my grievances in my life per se but like opening up in the sense of embracing and being intimate with them um like just being physically intimate like i guess i wish i was able to embrace that like in my teenage and young adult life and then i thought about like why am i like that and i'm like that's because that's the way i was raised and i'm like so when i have kids is that the way they're gonna be raised and then i was like no it's gonna be okay like if they see me like have tears of joy for them at like you know, let's say they get into sports or music or art or whatever, and they have a moment of success. And like, if I get overwhelmed with emotions and shed a tear or two, like, I'm not going to be ashamed because it just shows that their dad is human and stuff. And like, I guess that's like a lot of conversations that me and my wife have is like, just like, it seems like a lot of people aren't in tune with their emotions. And like, admittedly, I was like that too. Like, like why am I so angry and it's like I never dealt with a lot of things and like it's always just gonna ache at you that like sometimes you can suppress it for weeks months even years but then there's times where for months at a time the minor the most minor inconvenience just sets you off and just puts you in a bad space and stuff and I guess I wanted to try to be more consistent for my wife and my children and stuff like that and like just consistent in the sense of like like I would go through phases of like doing really well of communicating with my wife, but then I'd just be like, nah, nah, <laughs> I don't know. And it's not out of like m malice or anything. It's like, even recently I found out I was ADHD and now I feel like, um, I'm watching, like I watched a season finale of a show and like, it just flips the whole plot on its head. And then you review the whole series in a different light, knowing what you know now. It's kind of like that on replay and like, my life I'm like oh wow so that's why I was really good at math but like it took me a long time to figure out how to read because <laughs> I was dyslexic and it wasn't until like I got this like see-through blue ruler in like grade three and I would use it to help me track the words and all of a sudden I started reading like I was like Shakespeare well maybe not Shakespeare I don't know but you're crushing some books yeah I was starting to crush them and like I was ready for novels and stuff and like, but I just found out very recently, oh, you're dyslexic, you have ADHD. And I'm like, hmm. And like, you start figuring out more about that. And it's like, well, first he said I was probably dyscalcula and dyslexic. 
because that's common for people with ADHD. But I was like, I'm an accountant. I never get numbers wrong. It's literally just letters. Like, I'm not always like the best at reciting super long numbers, but like, um, like I manage like about 500 employees, and they all have like a unique five digit code. And I probably remember about like 350 of them off the top of my head, <laughs> just from like I don't know. It's probably like repeated exposure to and stuff, but. Just like, I don't know, numbers were always friends, but words like I was like, like when, like when I learned how to spell the, for example, in like grade one, I was like, that's to huh. You know what I mean? They're like, no, the T and H makes a th. And I was like, I hate English. (laughs) Because like, it's just so many different rules and stuff. And it took me so long to catch on to it and stuff. And like, and I even think it's crazy in the culture nowadays, like, the word retard is like taboo to say, but like when I was a kid, they said I probably had mental retardation because that was the term. It's crazy that like we have so many more words for it. The DACE has been updated to like have more language and understanding because like I was essentially like I did well enough in school. That's why I never really had to go to doctors and stuff like that because I always did well enough because my currency was like making my parents proud, right? So like if I did really well at math, at least they'd be proud of me with that. But with books and stuff, like unless I was like studying with a friend, I didn't like do anything that was like word related because like I would just be like, yo, let's like take turns reading just so I wouldn't have to read the whole thing by myself. Like let's just read out loud to each other. It'll make us better like public speakers and stuff for like when we're the dictators of the whole world and own money or own all the money and impose a 100% sales tax. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we were just like crazy eight year olds, but you know what I mean? (laughs) So you found numbers were your friend. Yeah. And that's kind of why I went into accounting was that, um, I didn't know if I did good on the test or not. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I did it right, but like that seemed way too easy. And I was like so nervous. And then like they told like the prof was like, we're gonna have to work really hard for the next one because like it was essentially like a 45% weighted average for your midterm and final. And then like your assignments were like 10% weighted average, right? So like if you failed that one, you had to do like 75% or 80% better on like at least on the final and do all your assignments to like get at least a 60% to pass and like but then you would need to get like closer to 90% if you want it to be 70% or higher and for it to be eligible at more schools for transfer your credits so like and when he opened up with that the instructor I was like oh snap and then i get my test and i'm like one of the last people get and i'm sitting there and i'm like shaking and i'm like oh man i definitely failed that was way too easy i probably didn't understand what i was doing and then i look at it 98 percent, and i'm like and i put my hand up i was like yo do i have to move to moose jaw to do accounting for the second year he's like no you can do it through live stream video in the classroom next door and i was like i bet <laughs> and that was like in the first semester and everyone's like you're sure you're gonna do accounting it's so dry it's so hard i was like yeah i don't know and like it sounds like i won't have to like <laughs> like read all those I, words <laughs> yeah read all those words talk to people well like i worked at retail for a long time at that point so i didn't want to like ever speak to people so that was really alert to me it was like well no one's gonna get mad that like i'm not honoring their a and w coupon at burger king <laughs> or anything like that <laughs> but now you're actually doing payroll yeah and it's a lot of communicating like cross departmentally and like i'm kind of like on a lead on like a big citywide project kind of just got forced into it but like it's just that it's one of those cases of when you excel sometimes you're punished because you get more responsibility but not essentially the compensation to go with it but it does help make the day go by quicker and stuff tons of like side projects trying to get like a big one system catch-all to get off the ground and to run smoothly and that's really hard in an organization of like 4,500 people yeah what's your new role that's not payroll or where it's an accounting capacity uh no it's still payroll but it's just that like we have a accounting module 
a payroll module and a time and attendance module. And I focus mostly on the time and attendance module. What surprised you when you got into payroll? Hmm. Well, like, I guess I did payroll before, like, when I was an administrative assistant, but it was in a firm of, like, six people. So it was literally, like, putting in the gross pay into QuickBooks. And then when I went into the capacity of, like, three to 500 employees, and then plus with very specific union language, it was, like, man, I could become a lawyer because, like, there's so many things, like, if, ands, and buts in each unions and stuff like that, and... I had no idea that it could be that complex. And like, yeah, it does like, it's hard for like the average person who's an active, like union member doesn't even understand half of their rights or obligations. And when I first started, it was a lot of job costing. So like charging to like capital projects and then just like overhead projects and stuff and like doing, using a lot of weird numbers that get charged to a GL in the end. What's, um, a, what's a GL? general ledger sorry so like a general ledger is basically like a bank account so like let's say you have a general ledger of office expenses it would be like five thousand and then you have sub gls and then it would be like 5100 postage and stamps 5200 um telephone expense that sort of deal so they're like i look at them as like mini accounts or bank accounts for like how you allocate your expenses and incomes so with job or with job cost accounting and with payroll, I basically took people's labor and tracked it and built it out correctly to other departments. What makes payroll so complex? <laughs> There's like a lot of parts that come to it with like timing of shifts, like when you start and end the length of it. And like if you're part time or full time or casual, you're entitled to different things like two out of the three might be entitled to shift diff. But then there's a subgroup of casuals that is entitled to shift diff. Like, what's shift diff? Uh, shift differential is like a pay premium. Sorry. So like you get like a dollar per hour for every hour you work into the night sort of deal, and like not every employee of that bargaining unit like gets that premium. It depends on like yeah if they're full time, part time, temporary, permanent. You have to manually do that? No, but the system calculates it, and it's a lot of people not understanding it. Like, some people will be like, I talked to my coworker, and they got it. And I'm like, okay, hey, first of all, I can't talk about someone else's pay with you. And, like, second of all, like, your employment status, so you don't get shift if. And then, like, they take that, like, as if I was the one who wrote the rule, like, I'm the line from Narnia and I was there when the spells were written. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and it's like, hey, man, like, go to your union meetings. Get your voice heard. Bar get them to bargain for it. They're like, I want to do that. <laughs> I just want to, like, get mad at somebody and, like, and I'm just a convenient person to do it to because, you know, like, they could play in their manager. They're going to ruin an interpersonal relationship. But, like, I sit in an office so far removed from people working out in the field that I think it's easier for them just to vent and be frustrated with someone over the phone that they never see my face before you know what i mean like there's a little bit less attachment it's almost becoming like a people job in like interpretation and i guess that's probably why i feel like oh and like and i guess the thing is is that like now that i found out that i'm dyslexic i'm like trying to figure out the channels i need to go through to get the official diagnosis because apparently the one that the doctor gave me isn't official enough so it's like and i want to be accommodated because like yeah when i found out i was dyslexic and like how like when it can get worse with like your stress and emotions and like i remember i'd be writing exams in like high school and i would read the question and be like going up to the front of the teacher i'm like excuse me is this meant to be gibberish <laughs> and then they're like re and then they're like you know kind of reading it under their breath and as i hear him read it out i would feel like the blood go from my face i'm like never mind and like once they read it out like i knew exactly what the question was asking and i was able to like answer it but like i was just the stress it just the words kept jumbling you know what i mean i don't but because i'm not dyslexic <laughs> oh yeah right so however that's so when you viewed a sentence it looked as if it was gibberish well, not exactly gibberish. It was just that the words were out of order. So, like, if it was, like, define an organism, I might have read it, orgasm define. And I'm like, yo, teach me a pig? 
you perv son you know i gotta call cps on you like what's up with that and then they're like define an organism what's wrong with you and i was and it's like so you know and i learned skills like to you know because the easy like it would be the easiest question like that that could trip me up but it's like okay well just try to read the next question if not go on to the next question and then like you know there might be something that like a few words that like just stand out to me and I read them. So I'm able to like focus in and like slow down, read that question. And, you know, and it's like slowly like building a ball of confidence as it like rolls as the test goes on. But like when you only get three hours for an exam and you need to take 45 minutes an hour to like roll up that ball to get reading and go, <laughs> like it's kind of hard. How did you get through this? <laughs> Learn how to like... I honestly don't know. I used to be like a machine, like writing and going through so fast. And like in college though, like that went away because I guess I wanted to go to college. I wanted to better myself. And even though like learning about taxes and cost accounting and auditing um, was super dry, I wanted to be there. And like I was able to go through those tests pretty easily because I had lots of confidence in what I believed in. But I think like with high school, it was just like, my goodness i like i don't and like i like high school i feel like it, like for me it was way harder than college because a i didn't want to be there and or a i didn't want to be there b i felt like the teachers like set an unrealistic standard of like the real world they're like you know if you're late for work your boss is like legally entitled to like maim you in front of the uh, the fellow staff <laughs> <laughs> you know if you're late for a college class the prof is going to like get everyone to pull out a wooden paddle and spank you <laughs> and stuff like that well not exactly that but they were like no one's ever going to hold you accountable no one's ever going to do this and then it's like but i guess like i grew up with technology like kind of in that sweet point so like i was able to view like oh i didn't get that done and then like if i went to the teacher and was like can you email me a pdf of that they would and then they would even accept it the day before finals and like added nominal penalties where like teachers were like nope i'm not accepting that because it's a day late nope I don't care that your uncle was murdered. Oh. <laughs> you, you know, your uncle probably shouldn't have had that bottle of wine because then you wouldn't have had nothing to get murdered for. Oh, and it was like, man. oh man. <laughs> so then, like, I was like, man, college is going to be scary. But then, I'm like, my instructors and profs were like some of the funniest and, like, I don't know, funnest teachers have had despite the dry content. Like, I don't know. In a sense, maybe that high school teacher was tricking you. How so? Well, hey, dude, it's probably going to be, you're probably going to only be able to sleep two hours a night for the next year. And then you find out, oh, you get there. Oh, man, I get to sleep seven hours every night now? Yeah, I guess so. Like kind of bracing yourself because I guess it did help me get disciplined. You know what I mean? Like I know when I was like done school for like years, I don't do it as much anymore. But like I used to go on Khan Academy, which is essentially like a learning resource. You know, like you can give yourself assignments and stuff. And I was like, I want to keep my math straight in case I ever go back to school. But now I'm like, well, if I'm going into social work, there's going to be a lot more reading in theory. So like numbers are fun. Sure. But like it's not what i want to do anymore i guess just because like it is too dry and like especially in the capacity that i'm doing like i'm just yeah like it, i want to be in something that i feel like more full when i go home you know what i mean like feel like i'm making a difference not as drained yeah yeah exactly mm. like i feel like it's chore it's a chore to go to work you know what i mean whereas like when i like i want to be excited to go to work i want to like you know, and I know that social work is a very hard line of work, but like, you think it might be the right fit? Yeah, I think it's the right fit for me. Like, I'm no stranger to like people, like the adversities and like the hardships that people go through in the world. I've been through my fair share, and like, I feel like, and I've witnessed like, you know, downfalls in my family due to drugs and addictions and traumas and stuff. So I'm like, I don't know. I feel like I could feel really full with it. Wait, so you are you're good at accounting. However, you want to leave it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, like, that's kind of the funny thing is that, like, I, I do use it. Like, I'll probably always use it throughout my life because, like, um, although it wasn't a two-year term, I just made it a two-year term. Um, I was volunteering at this local not-for-profit, um, like, ministry group for, like, Indigenous people. They serve the core community. I was asked to volunteer. But then 
I was actually a board member and then was like being a co-treasurer and then like doing like projects that took like eight to 20 hours a month of my time. They realized, Hey, this guy's good at this. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. (laughs) And like, I was happy to provide those skills, but like, um, luckily like the number that we were read for was essentially like the property taxes, which was nearly $10,000. So, um, I scheduled an appointment with the city solicitors and stuff. And um, got them, arranged a meeting with um, the ministry to have them assess the building and see if we're qualified for like an exempt status. They denied us because like we feed people and give them clothes and we don't solely pray there. So and then I was like, my goodness. So <laughs> so like I filed a motion. What? What? <laughs> I know. I feel like people lose the plot. Like especially like... I was going to use a lot of like ancient and not spirituality, like what I grew up with to like argue back. But then like after talking to my wife who like went through all the sacraments and like is a devout Catholic, I believe, or Christian. I was telling her like the reasons why we got denied. And she is like, literally one of the stories that you learn as a child is Jesus feeds 5,000. And like, you know, and I was like, hey, yeah. And like we spend barely any money on food just from the goodness of like the community and program set up. That we can get all these food donations, including meat and bread, which is like our bread and butter, <laughs> literally, you know, because like sandwiches is such an easy thing to serve. And it's like someone like they can save for later or have right now. And it's like relatively cheap and has like a it's not going to be the most like nutritious in terms of calories. But in macros, it checks off a lot of boxes, which is what like a lot of people who don't have a consistent place to sleep need. So like um, I was going to say like. We're performing miracles every day like Jesus because Jesus fed 5,000 with two stinky little fish and three stinky breads or loaves of bread. And like we spend barely any money on food, but yet we never turn anyone away hungry and stuff. You know what I mean? And like if that's not in line with like Catholicism, fuck, I, I, I struggle with that word. If that doesn't like adhere to like, you know, giving praise and thanks to a higher deity then I don't know what it is. And like, so if you strictly prayed there and didn't help clothe homeless or feed people who are starving, you'd be exempt. Yep. But so I filed a motion with the board that I'm a part of and everyone agreed. We filed a $500 fee to appeal it. And I write up this little summary of like attach the emails, all my communications that I have for my personal email with that city department and like explain like, why we were denied and why I think we should be exempt and like that we're providing like a very like essential service to the core community. So I think we should be exempt and like gave examples from the Bible and also from like my theological beliefs of like how like helping the needy is like a form of prayer, like of of prayer and gratitude and like, and I guess I was succinct and persuasive enough because like, the form is very small and I didn't want to give them too much ammo because the way I understood it is that they're going to review it and then they're going to fight back with me. They're going to get to review all my information where they're going to give me nothing back. So I didn't want to give them all my ammo in case it was going to go in front of city council and a third party board and we were going to have to argue and represent ourselves. And so, um, yeah. And so we got a notice that they're giving us our $500 feedback and that they'll give us exempt status from this year forward. So like, it's not looking like we're going to shut down anytime soon. Although like I am going to resign soon because like the group or I want to be involved with a couple other groups and like, I just feel like it takes a lot of my time because I have to read through like a 300 page cities act, get a base understanding of like how property taxes work, where the exemptions come in, the different grades of property. And like, it's kind of boring. I don't want to no do way. that. You're making accounting sound exciting. <laughs> it is a little bit in those small moments, but most of the time it's staring at a Excel spreadsheet, which I guess it's pretty exciting for me because I like Excel spreadsheets, but like <laughs> my, my eyes don't like it as much. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the best part about accounting then? Best part? Always in a climate controlled room. <laughs> like doesn't matter if it's hot or cold out. I'm not freezing or being hot. Like I guess 
it affects my bike riding work, but like I like riding my bike and like I'm gonna start riding again this or next week. I don't care that it's raining, like I'm manifesting spring into existence. I'm wearing shorts and a raincoat and I'm freaking making the trek to the hall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. You're the opposite of what I personally thought an accountant would be. Oh yeah, like I like even though that's my title, I don't think that fits me as a person per se because, like, it, yeah, like, literally it was just, like, I wanted to do a program and I wanted to move away from Yorkton because I needed to be away from my bad friends and my bad influences and, like, sober up and be a good kid and, like, steer myself on the right path. And then I was like, hey, like, like there's a lot of jobs that started, like, 50000 if I get this diploma, like... That ain't no Trump change. Like, and at that point, like my highest paying job, I believe was like building bins for 15 bucks an hour, climbing up hundred foot bin hoppers with no safety harness to put in a tree to lift it up. It, uh, what? Yeah. 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 And I thought it was like great money. 15 bucks. Like no, I what was is like, this building bins? What are you doing? What? Like grain bins. Like, you know, those circular tin things that you see on the highway sometimes. Yeah. Um, I was building those. I did that for like about half a year after high school until like snow came and like it was a fun experience like I did from like all over southeastern Saskatchewan like from Winyard to Bredenbury to Ebenezer to the places I don't even remember what it's called because it's like an RM of 10 people (laughs) and they're all farmers and they all need some bins and like it was like some of the sketchiest work ever so then when I was like whoa i can make like 20 bucks with accounting <laughs> like and it's just so funny with like having that perspective and like thinking like oh my god yeah like i'm gonna have like a pontoon i'm gonna have a mcmansion i'm gonna have a car if i make 20 bucks an hour <laughs> like just having no concept of money and then like taking the finance courses the accounting courses i'm like yeah like you got to sell down, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> there is opportunity to make more money, but like, yeah, 20 bucks an hour doesn't mean like you're going to be like <laughs> living like a king. Hey, what was the sketchy part about the bins? Um, Just the climbing up on heights and there was like no, um, maybe there is systems of like having safety harnesses. Like, so if you fall or slip. You didn't have a fall arrest system on? Nope, never. So like I would climb up some like twister bins, like the brand is Twister. And, like, I believe their common, like, medium bin was about 80 feet. And I hated climbing those ones because it's just, like, grabbing, like, tin slits and climbing up that are just bolted to the side of the bin. So then you could put the tree in, which is, like, essentially a metal-looking Christmas tree that you expand open. And it goes in the top little lid of the bin. And then you lift it up. And then you would put it on a hopper, which essentially, like, stop rats from wrecking your grains and crops and whatever stored in there so it's pretty much an x you put in and it expands and then it pulls it out yeah what are you talking about not letting rats in um so hoppers are like little like they look like the roof of a bin but it's like upside down and it has like a big metal frame that keeps your bin like anywhere from two to eight feet off the ground because like usually they're on a concrete slab and like it's easy for mice rats any kind of vermin to get in and like soil your crops oh so hoppers pretty much just uh it's on a stand yeah okay. the hopper is the stand i guess oh okay. so like i hated doing hoppers because like didn't get paid as much and also like it was a lot more sketchier whereas like building a bin from new i felt like we could do that a lot quicker because like some of the bins we were putting on hoppers are being retrofitted but it's like 90 year old tin and the diameter is different so we're like making these weird cuts and slits to like bolt it on (laughs) (laughs) while it's being suspended by the crane. Oh yeah. And you're beside it or near it. Yeah. But we're like, um, there's a, like we put on attachments to the bin so that like, um, a piece of metal with rope essentially tied around it. And then there's like three people with it tied around them. And then one person with an angle angle grinder <laughs> making cuts. And I, yeah. And I didn't like that part either. Cause my coworkers at the time, the other contractors, they didn't know how to like cut straight. So the disc would always break off and skip and it would fly like a shuriken or something from anime. And I was like, Hmm. And they made fun of me for wearing safety glasses and like a hard hat. And I'm like, I don't care. Like when you guys learn how to use an angle grinder, maybe I'll start slipping up and take off the safety equipment. But like, 
you know, like if that goes through your eye, like that could like shred up your brain and kill you. You kind of need those things to survive. So then it was just four people and you're all strapped to the bin to stabilize it. Yeah. And then one guy is grinding away so that it'll fit on this hopper. Yep. (laughs) When did you decide to leave it? When the season was done. Ah. And then like he like. What made it so you didn't leave it mid-season? No, I stayed all the way until the end because I was like, oh, I'm making good money. Hey, so what lessons have you learned from accounting and also from, I guess, this grain bin thing that you've transferred over to everyday life now? Hmm, I guess it's just like know when to pick your battles. No, like, it, like, like there's positive and negative, like, energy, you know what I mean? Like, so you could attack someone or, like, be defensive but there's also like neutral energy like just let things go and whatever like if you're able to let go of that sort of amount of money and also able to like take people like saying that like you're an unfair person and that you're making them go broke and that i don't give them enough vacation time and stuff like just learning like that it's all water under the bridge like i have a vast amount of experience and even though like accounting is what i'm professionally trained in I feel like with all my experience and work experience, I could like transfer into like more different roles that are like project oriented or like focused on like making improvements and stuff like within the city, but even externally and stuff like, so like who knows how much longer I'll be in payroll because like I am actively looking for a new job. It's just a matter of like, you know, like trying to transition nicely and not like, you know, like take something that's not too much lower than where I am or like something that's the same or higher. Like, yeah. So like, and like with that in mind, like it makes me feel better about going to work, like being like, yeah, it's temporary. Yeah, like you got, I don't have you to got a plan. Forever. You have a plan for the future. Yeah. Like there was no light at the end of the tunnel. Like when I was being a sloth, but now that like <laughs> I'm making plans, there's yeah. a lot of light. Hey, so you're saying it, you're able to take that neutral energy now. How do you do it? Huh. that's hard man like i don't know if it's like life experience i would probably just say anime truth be told like i feel like a lot of my good life lessons come from anime um do you watch any anime shows at all like avatar the last airbender even or no so what's what's going on with anime how's this helping you out well like i love shonen which is essentially like a fight combat style of like cartoons <laughs> and like there's a lot of power systems and stuff, and I loved watching that stuff growing up. Like, I oh, so this to be is a Goku. genre. It's called shonen. Yeah, shonen anime. Okay, it, like it's it's a specific genre of anime, I guess, is shonen, and that's basically like typically the trope is like adolescents are the main characters with like a teacher sensei type of role mentoring them in a power system and like progressively getting stronger. I used to love that stuff. Like that used to be the only reason why I would watch anime, but like, I guess I've been watching a lot more of it. And like a lot of stuff that I watched as a kid, like avatar, the last airbender, for example, um, they call it positive Jing and negative Jing and neutral Jing. And when he told Aang that I was like, he, uh, like this guy named King Boomy was telling Aang the, the airbender, the avatar, he was like, Aang, remember our conversation about Jing? He's like, yeah, there's two types. He's like, actually, there's 38. But I'm only going to tell you about the third one. <laughs> and it's neutral. And it's where you do absolutely nothing. And I'm like, yeah, nothing is also a choice. It's also a decision. Like, you know, if someone wants to, like, react negatively to me, that's their choice. And my choice is just to, meh, you know, brush it off. Because, like, I really don't want to carry that stuff home, you know, like... I don't get paid to be miserable and think about work and be miserable at home. So when I think when I get miserable at home about work, I get mad. I'm like, I'm not getting paid overtime for this. Like what the (laughs) heck? You know what I mean? So like, I guess that was like the thing is that I wanted to be able to focus on that. And now that I'm feeling more like a full person, now I feel like I can plan like the next step in my life of like finding a new job and then like further in my education, even though it's, in a relevant field and I don't think any of my credits count towards <laughs> any social degree <laughs> because it's all like economics, marketing, HR, accounting. You know? So then wh- what helps you fill your cup? I guess it's like learning to like how to relax. Cause I guess I always felt like 
I need to do something. I need to clean. I need to improve the house. I need to finish a project. I need to like do a service or, or an act of kindness for my wife. I need to relieve her from sun duty, all this different stuff. And like, so when I would get my time, like whether she grants it being 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 60 minutes, I wouldn't actually feel recharged by the end. And I would still feel kind of tense and tight when I'm trying to like either make supper or like take care of her son while she makes supper and stuff like that. Learning how to like really enjoy that downtime and like how I spend that downtime is like, it's different. Like it's sometimes it's reading manga because like I do want to work on some artistic stuff now. Like I want to make like my own comic book and oh wait read them a, a what manga oh is that a comic book yeah it's like Japanese comic books and you read it from right to left oh, instead okay. of left to right okay. and stuff yeah so this is your time when you don't feel oh I need to be doing all this stuff yeah like I'll be able to like just sit back and relax and like have that little bit of escapism whether it's like watching an episode of a show I'm starting or like reading a new volume or taking that time to head to the gym. But also recently, I got an 85S10. That's been my project. What's an 85S10? Oh, uh, S10 uh, truck? Yeah, a oh, quarter ton truck. Nice. Yeah. yeah, it's a 4x4 carbureted. And like, I bought it off some Irish guy. who bought it off some young punks. And those young punks tried to do an engine swap. And I think they realized they couldn't do it. Because <laughs> like, the wiring is messed up. So like, that's also been like a little passion project of mine. And like, so my wife can have her SUV back and like, cause I have my bike now, but like I'm close. I just need to order like three more things for it. And I think it's like roadworthy and reliable finally. So that's been like how I've been like, like, I guess it's like, I find a balance of like still being productive, but that productivity is like selfishly for me. Like that truck is for my enjoyment and for like, my wellness because like i don't really want to put a car seat in it because like there's no airbags and stuff you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, definitely. so like i'd rather keep it in like, i don't think it has crumple vehicle. zones it's an 85 so. yeah like it's all pure steel <laughs> yeah. so like there's no impact absorption or nothing the truck will be fine but <laughs> the people inside will all the energy is transferring to some mush in the truck <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and like yeah and even just reading the mangas like it like helps me like I guess like I've been enjoying like art from a different perspective like of not just like fights but looking at the intricacies of like character development and like story plotting and like even just learning about like theories like Chekhov's gun like why would you make a volcano in a story unless it's gonna erupt you could have just made it a mountain right so oh, like there's always those reason. subtle details yeah everything has a reason right what was that Chekhov what would you say Chekhov's gun I think the example is usually a gun, like if someone has a gun in their, or like the idea is that if someone has a gun, the bullet's going to go off at some point. In the story. Yeah. So oh, okay. like. It's, um, called check, it's called Check Off. Chekhov's gun. Yeah. Oh, Chekhov is a last name? Yeah. Chekhov's gun. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. And like, that's something that I even learned within the last year. And I'm like, whoa, there's so much I can learn about like developing a story and like these elements that make it a full and true detailed thing. So that's like been a lot of my stuff lately of like filling up my cup in my spare time is just like, just like allowing the artistic side to come back out too. And like, and I feel like that couldn't come out until I learned how to like leave the work stuff at work and then like come home and be a full person per se. Yeah. While not just concentrating on more, 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 I need to do more. Yeah. I need to do more. Or if I keep working hard, I'm going to get rewarded and this and that. And it's like, you know, my loyalty and faithfulness have to be with my family first and everything else is secondary yeah. sort of deal. Your family's forever. This job, you can do you can do it later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, if I was to pass away, heaven forbid, knock on wood, <laughs> I don't plan to go anywhere for a long time. But, like, if I was to pass away, my work would replace me within, like, a couple weeks. You know what I mean? But, like, my family would never be able to, right? So that's why it's, like, I would oh, like and like that's like part of like yeah reassessing my values through death is like no I need to like my family's always going to be there for me if I get fired from this job something never happens like they're they'll always be there but this job and work won't be so why am I worrying about like oh my god I didn't meet that deadline I didn't finish it it's like 
you're asking me to like audit like specific information for 5,000 people. Like, why is this falling on my shoulders? That's not my job description. Like, really, I should be calling my union rep, but you're setting your, you're setting your boundaries. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like not exactly quiet quitting, but it's just like, I'm not allowing it to follow me home and I'm not going to like stress so much about it that it ruins my day completely. And I'm so exhausted from like being stressed about it. You know what I mean? Like learn to, be cool like a cucumber. <laughs> yeah. You've learned so much from your grief. Yeah. Yeah, like I felt like I stopped so much. Like the world is this crazy layers of rotating discs. And it's up to us to learn how to like step and time that step so we can walk in a straight path on this like crazy moving sprocket. <laughs> never ending, different directions, different speeds, <laughs> different lengths. You know what I mean? And like my grief made me stop and get lost on that path. So like finding my footing again, metaphorically, like feel like I could be a fuller person again and like feel like I can return to other things. Cause like, well, realistically, I don't think the loss and the grief actually made you lose yourself. What it actually did was it just recalibrated you. Yeah, exactly. And like, that's the thing is that the, the, the only thing that's constant in life is change. And like, you know, and like, sometimes that's the hard thing. Like my more, thuggish friends when they see that like i have a full-time job and like I have, I have a family and stuff and they like try to be like oh you changed so much and it's like yeah yeah you don't work that hard to improve just to stay the same right and like it's <laughs> whatever a great saying yeah and like it's funny because like hood mentality by ice cube i used to listen to it so much growing up and it was like when i was 19 and listened to it and he was i was like oh how can I change my reality if I don't change my mentality? I was like, thanks, Uncle Cube. <laughs> I never met you or anything, but I was like, yeah, there's like a lot of wisdom to be found there too and yeah. hip hop and stuff. And so, yeah, it hits, it hits, man. Well, should we call it? Yeah, this was awesome. Thanks, man. <laughs>